smoking on gas, got me slung. Chasing Z's, chasing Z's. I've been high up off my ass. Managing beans, managing beans. Flying solo, Mr. Dolo. What you mean? What you mean? Grab control and major time. Do you read? Do you read? Smoking on gas, got me slung. Chasing Z's, chasing Z's. I've been high up off my ass. Every day, never take a break, still in myself Addicted to the gold, only focused on well, still slide To my nine to five, just to buy the time Till I'm on the rise, blasting off, I'm not asher off This ain't frat rap, tell the haters fuck off I'm shining, so blinded, as a vibe got no diamonds But boy, got nothing in my wallet Spend all my green on the green quite often Still flawless, stand tall and say fuck it to me, face calling Time to ride the wave, override the shade Inhale the haze, have a lovely day Bizarros, this is Gaz Morgan, and welcome to Bizarro Aficionado Podcast. Oh, what a what a couple of weeks, huh? Holiday, end of the week, and I was sick for a bit, sick as a dog with whatever that crud was going around. That hit me like a ton of bricks, and then some traveling, and then some changes in job status, and now looking for a different place to live. So I apologize for the shows just not getting out as regularly as they were. And uh, hopefully that'll be changing quite soon and everything will be back to normal. Do have some very cool shows scheduled coming up for the future. This episode 9 was actually supposed to be on the uh, Apostle of the Alleghenies. But uh, the person, the gentleman that I had scheduled to talk, he kept having to reschedule. And then he had to reschedule again. And I finally just put it on the back burner and like, I can't keep waiting all the time like this. I got to get it done. So here we are today back in uh, doing a regular weird news episode. So without further ado, let's get into the news. Oh, Bizarros, what can I say about news for this episode other than what is wrong with you people? What is in the water out there? People are getting weirder and weirder and weirder, which is great for me, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on out there. I really, really don't. So our first story, and I know you'll be very happy to hear this, is that you still have time to book your tickets to Japan for the annual festival dedicated to men's junk. Japan is a weird and wonderful country. And uh, this episode comes from Bold.com by Piper Ryan. It's a weird and wonderful country and where it often seems like anything goes in terms of entertainment and pop culture. 
It's a whole other world. I love it. Especially when I hear about things like the Kanamara Matsuri. The annual festival held every spring in honor of men's nether regions. One, it's all for a good cause. The festival is said to have roots all the way back to the 17th century, during which prostitutes used to pray for protection against STDs at the Kanamara Shrine in Kawasaki. These days, the causes are a bit more modern. It's all about safe sex and also helps to raise money for HIV prevention and programs in the country. Two, it's been held every year since 1969. Go figure. Which is sort of beautifully poetic. The legend behind the tale says that a demon once fell in love with a woman and hid inside, of all places, her vagina, eventually biting off her husband's junk when they slept together. She felt bad, as one would, so she asked a blacksmith to make a metal organ to break the demon's teeth and free her from its curse. You can't make this shit up. It worked. Of course it did. And thus the penis became a holy object of sorts. So three, there's a parade and everything. Every spring, women and men dressed as women parade a large pink penis through the streets of Kawasaki as onlookers celebrate on the sidelines. The object is actually a portable mikoshi or shrine, so it's actually a very formal affair. Oh, and by the way, the shrine is called Elizabeth, if you're curious. Elizabeth the penis. This gives me more pleasure than you could possibly know. Next, you can grab memorabilia shaped like penises while you're at the festival. People hit up penis-shaped popsicles and buy candles shaped like penises as well. Everyone sings and dances and even poses on top of a giant wooden dong, because why wouldn't you? The official date is April 5th, 2020. Well, I guess we're a little... Oh, no, it's coming up. I don't even know what day it is. Is anyone else back into the rhythm after the Christmas break yet? I'm not. Um, April 5th, 2020, meaning you still have time to book flights to Japan and secure a hotel room for the big penis event. If nothing else, you'll experience something unlike anything else you've ever been part of and have lifelong memories. Isn't that what travel's all about? Uh, and penises. So, yeah, um... Quite a while ago, a couple years ago on uh, HBO, they had a documentary called uh, The Whore's Grace. And uh, it examined prostitution in many different countries. It is, it's a rough documentary film to watch. But in Thailand, they actually show the prostitutes on their way to work, haha, laughing like they're going to a factory in the 40s. And they stop at a shrine and pray for many penises and very few STDs. So I guess this is a thing that really does happen. I, yeah. What can you say with that? Moving on. So uh, from Bro Bible. Uh, yeah, a new one to me too. This one is uh, by Paul Saka, because we trust anyone with just one name. Strange rod-like lights spotted in the sky over Iraq, sparking several conspiracy theories about military operations. There are swiftly escalating tensions between the United States and Iran. Yeah, we guessed, we noticed. And unfortunately for Iraqis, they're caught in the middle. 
Shortly after the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad and the drone strike of Iranian general, people in Iraq spotted strange rod-like lights in the sky, prompting fears of a possible out-of-this-world military operation. There are unveiled reports of unusual lights spotted over Duhakh, Iraq. I'll, I'll post this video online. There is a video here, and uh, there are these odd red uh, vertical glowing lines, you know, like Darth Vader's lightsaber piercing down out of the dark sky. And they're kind of like red, some are more orange, and they're just these long streaks, almost like a stationary rocket flare. But I don't know, could they be flares? I don't know, they don't seem to be lighting more than just this rod. But uh, I'll put a... Uh, Put this up on the show notes and you guys can take a look and see what you think. Uh, the, there are fighter jets flying over the area of this in Duhok as uh, the same day as the sightings. But uh, no one's quite sure where they are. Duhok is located in northern Iraq. It's about 40 miles from the border of Turkey where the U.S. does have two air bases. Inserlik Air Base and Izmir Air Force Base. Now, in 2008, U.S. military members used night vision to film similar big vertical streaks over the sky in Iraq. And uh, I have no idea what the hell they are, says a soldier on the video. And, and they mentioned red haze. A similar-looking light was seen nearly a year ago in Midland, Texas. So, many conspiracy theorists claim that the lights were part of a U.S. military-directed energy weapons program. Others speculated that the lights originated from satellites orbiting Earth and may have been a weapon that is involved with President Donald Trump's new Space Force. The new military branch was signed into law on December 20th, 2019, as part of the 2020 National Defense Authorization Act. Yay. Another conspiracy theory was that the lights were from the rods from God, or Project Thor, this weapon system could potentially fire 24,000-pound tungsten rods from a satellite in orbit over the planet. The projectiles are not nuclear, but once they hit the Earth, they would penetrate the surface and dig hundreds of feet into the ground. The explosion would be on par with a nuclear weapon, but would skirt the Outer Space Treaty that was signed by 107 countries in 1967 that prohibits nuclear, biological, or chemical weapons from being placed or used from Earth's orbit. The tungsten projectiles get its power from the excessive speed at which it travels from orbit to Earth. Plummeting to Earth gives the telephone pole-sized, uh, 20 feet long, 1 foot in diameter rods, more and more velocity with the potential of reaching a speed of up to 10 times the speed of sound or around 767 miles per hour. It would take 15 minutes for the rods from God to go from the satellite to their target on Earth. However, this is extremely doubtful since there has been no reported damage on the ground. There are also people saying that the lights were part of an alien invasion, of course, and lasers being fired from UFOs, of course, or cat's eyes. Meanwhile, gamers recognized the red streaks in the sky immediately, saying it was the Hammer of Dawn, which is the satellite-based weapon system in the video game Gears of War. So, since there was no damage on the ground, the most logical explanation is that they are light pillars, an atmospheric optical phenomenon in which a vertical beam of light appears to extend above or below a light source. 
The effect is created by the reflection of light from tiny ice crystals that are suspended in the atmosphere or that comprise, or that comprise high-altitude clouds. The reason for the hysteria over the lights in the sky is because the entire region is so on edge after the embassy attack and the violent mob who attempted to breach the walls and burn down the complex. U.S. officials blamed Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and secretive Qud forces for supporting and orchestrating the attack. Blah, 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 you know all that. But that's, uh, that's the rods from the sky in Iraq. So let's see, what else do we got in here? Yes, yes, more good news, more good news. Strange diseases sweeping China. Now I'm sure you guys have all seen the little quips and memes on Facebook talking about uh, how every 1820, 1920, there's been plagues. Well, here it comes. An unknown strain of pneumonia has infected nearly 60 people in China. Now, I guess this is above and beyond the pneumatic plague that's been peeking its head up. And uh, this comes to us from Neoscope. And they say a mysterious unidentified virus hit dozens of people in Chinese city of Wuhan last month. And the potential epidemic has the government on high alert. Chinese officials were initially concerned that the virus was a resurgence of SARS, which killed hundreds of people in 2002 and 2003, CNN reported. On Sunday, Wuhan authorities ruled out the possibility and suggested the virus was a new type of pneumonia. Officials disclosed that the virus had infected 59 people as of the end of the year. All the patients were placed in quarantine, seven of whom were in critical condition as of the Sunday announcement, according, again, to CNN. But so far, no one has died and no health workers have gotten sick. About 163 people who came into contact with patients are under medical observation just in case. So some of the infected patients worked at a seafood market that also sold animals, as, as they so often do, including birds, snakes which was shut down for cleaning. Well, that was nice, last Wednesday. Seafood market sells birds and snakes, only in China. The concern now is whether the game is one of the reasons for the outbreak. Chinese University of Hong Kong respiratory health expert David Wei Xiong told CNN, he added that the disease seemed to be some sort of brand new viral pneumonia. Uncovering the virus origin and determining how it travels among hosts would help authorities determine whether they need to be concerned about a potential new pandemic. It only transmits from animals to humans now that the market has been shut down and sanitized, the chances for people to be infected will be low. Hong Kong University virologist Leo Poon told CNN, most often respiratory viruses can be transmitted among humans. It's only a matter of how contagious it is. So that's the update on uh, plagues in China. We'll keep you informed. As soon as I know, you will know. Absolutely. Moving on, mystery repeating radio signal traced a strange V-shaped star forming region of massive spiral galaxy. That is a mouthful. This is from Newsweek Tech Source by Hannah Osborne. And uh, I, I, this has been going on and been talking about now for about a week or two. Not, not quite two, I guess a week and a half. And they keep narrowing more into it. 
So it started with a set of repeating radio signals coming from deep space had been tracked back to a huge spiral galaxy around half a billion light years away. These fast radio bursts, or FRBs, were also found to be coming from an odd V-shaped star-forming region of the galaxy, but what is producing them is unknown. Now, FRBs are powerful radio signals that last for just a few milliseconds. Because they're so short-lived, they're often very, they're all only detected in astronomical data after the signal has passed Earth. So tracing them back to their original source is very difficult. Over 100 FRBs have been discovered over recent years, and most of these have been one-off events, potentially suggesting that they were caused by some cataclysmic event, such as the collapse of a black hole or colliding neutron stars. However, the discovery of repeating FRBs meant this explanation could not account for all these radio signals. The first repeating FRBs, known as FRB121102, was discovered in 2017 and was eventually traced back to a dwarf galaxy 3 billion light years away. Then last year, another repeating FRB, FRB uh, 180916, in fact, was also discovered. In a study published by Nature, an international team of scientists has now traced FRB 180916 back to its source galaxy, finding it is very different from the one where FRB 121102 originated. Had the two galaxies had similar properties, it may have helped narrow down what could be producing the radio bursts. Study author Jason Hassels from the Netherlands Institute for Radio Astronomy told Newsweek FRB 18916 comes from a large spiral galaxy similar to the Milky Way. At half a billion light years away, it is by far the closest well-localized FRB to date about six times closer compared to FRB 121102. It has also a hundred times more stars in the galaxy FRB 121102 came from. Whereas FRB 121102 had an associated persistent radio source, which has been hypothesized to represent a surrounding nebula or nearby black hole. We see no such source near FRB 18916, he added. Instead, FRB 18916 appears to be coming from an outer spiral arm and is associated with a strangely V-shaped star-forming region, Hessel said. We know that this is a star-forming region because we measured ionized gas at that location and the source of ionization energy is consistent with coming from young stars. The V-shape of the region, though, is quite odd. One speculation is that it could be a disrupted satellite dwarf galaxy in the spiral galaxy. If so, that could be a way to make the substitution more the situation rather more similar to what we saw on FRB 121102, but currently that's a very shaky hypothesis. What could be producing these radio bursts is a mystery. I'm really scratching my head, he said. For FRB 121102, a young imaginator a super-magnetized neutron star, appeared like a very plausible model. For FRB 18916, a somewhat older magnetar could still fit the data, but I'm wondering if maybe a different source of energy, for example, the interaction between two nearby objects like the jet of a black hole impinging on the strong magnetic field of a neutron star, might possibly be the answer. 
That scenario has also been hypothesized for FRB 121102, but was previously considered less plausible by many. He added that the radio source for FRB 121102 was thought to have been an extremely energetic nebula surrounding it. The lack of persistent radio source with 18916, though, is quite puzzling. Maybe 18916 had such a nebula or radio source, and it's since faded away because the source is much older. So Hessel said the team is hoping to use the Hubble, Hessel is going to use the Hubble's space telescope to look at the position of the FRB 18916, whatever, more closely. That's actually one of the most exciting things about this source. Since it's so nearby, we can dig deep with our best optical X-ray and gamma ray telescopes and try to distinguish between competing models by detecting emissions at other wavelengths, Hessel said. So, uh, yeah, there's some stuff out there and they're trying to figure out what it's from and uh, they don't know. They never know. All right, from the outer galaxy to Las Vegas. And the uh, somebody is putting cowboy hats on pigeons. Yes, you heard me right. Why is everything more weird on this planet than it is off of it? Someone from somewhere, and this is coming from uh, OD.com, someone from somewhere is doling pigeons up and adorning them with little cowboy hats. This past week, there have been several reports of the Las Vegas birds with the decorative and colorful cowboy headwear. The question is, who is doing this? Or better yet, why? Are the pigeons okay? Turns out, there's a lot of questions. So how about this? Did you know that there is a pigeon rescue and advocacy group? Because there is. And their slogan is, a pigeon positive movement, and they want some answers. Lofty Hopes is run by Mariah Hillman, and after several days of searching, they finally tracked down the pigeon in the red hat, who they have named Cluck Norris. There's one in the pink hat they've named Coolamity Jane. That's still out roaming the Wild West. There is a pigeon dotting a brown hat, too, but that pigeon is still said to be on the loose. The birds went viral last week after a video shot by local Bobby Lee was picked up by local media. People have also reported seeing the fancy birds out and about. People connected the National Finals Rodeo being in town to spotting the birds, but the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association had, and they quote, nothing to do with pigeons wearing cowboy hats, according to Pro Rodeo Sports News Editor Scott Kenikwitz. Lofty Hopes operates in Las Vegas and works to help injured, wild, and domestic pigeons, along with other birds and other animals. Hillman said at first, though, the birds were cute, but did quickly develop concerns for the safety of the birds when it seems the hats were permanently secured. Since Cluck Norris has been found, Lofty Hopes has set a trap to capture him and see how to remove it safely. People keep feeding the bird, though, and thus it has been hard to lure him as he has become not interested in food. After capture, the birds will need to spend some time at the rescue so they can be decowboyed, maybe even through the spring until the, they actually molt off their hats. 
And that is uh, pigeons wearing hats in Las Vegas. Next up brings us to something a little even weirder than pigeons wearing hats. And this comes out of Phantom and Monsters. A very tall, thin, mantis-like humanoid encountered in Chicago's Schiller Park. And uh, if you've never been on Phantom and Monsters, it's really a creepy and cool sight. And it's all, it's all uh, encounters listed by uh, actual people on the site. So if you have an odd encounter, you can write in and, and they will post your encounter on the site. So this incident was actually from the 23rd of December at approximately 4 p.m. And it was located in Schiller Woods Park in Chicago, Illinois. And the sighting was described as this. My boyfriend and I were at Schiller Woods on Sunday, December 23rd. We conducting doing a small Wiccan ritual in the woods when we saw a large, thin man appear out of the woods and start staring us down. The man was extremely tall, about seven and a half, eight feet tall, and very, very thin. He was easily half the size of my boyfriend, and his arms hung down toward his knees. At first I was like, holy shit, it's Slender Man. But I quickly realized that it did not look like any man I have ever seen. First off, his eyes were huge, almost looked like a praying mantis's eyes, just jet black. He was wearing coveralls, of course he was, that were gray in color, and he looked like he was carrying a wand of some sort in his right hand. My boyfriend and I didn't feel scared, just a little shaken up. We stood there staring at each other for about a minute before it stepped behind some trees and disappeared. Once we lost sight of him, that is when the fear set in and we got out of those woods as quickly as we could. We were both sober, though we had smoked a little bud earlier as part of the ritual, because you know how we do. Okay, I added the you know how we do part, but uh, they, they, I guess they were smoking some bud and doing some magics out there. And it helps open our aura and allows us to channel better energy. My boyfriend and I are available to talk about this and can show you where we were at. It's right off the main trail by the small traffic circle near the back of the woods. Then what comes next is investigator notes. So I spoke with both witnesses via phone and obtained the location of the sighting and the details that led up to the sighting. The reporting witness is a 27-year-old female, and the second witness is her 28-year-old boyfriend. Both witnesses are from nearby River Grove, Illinois, and both have been practicing Wicca for about four years. The witnesses have indicated that they have both been to Schiller Woods on multiple occasions to do rituals and have seen other practicing groups there before. When asked why they go there for ritual, the female witness said they can practice in relative peace with little to no disturbance from the outside world. When asked about the encounter, the female witness said they were there to do a Yule ritual for prosperity. They were almost complete with the ritual and they both said she heard a very high-pitched sound that came out of nowhere. When she looked up and saw the being attempting to hide behind a row of trees about 15 yards from them. The being she described as being between 7 and 8 feet tall and appeared extremely thin and looked like she was he or she or he or they or whatever was wearing a gray jumpsuit she said that the being's arms were very long and hung to just above the knees and looked like they had claws i asked her to please describe this and she said they were long and just looked like they were tipped with claws or what looked like claws 
She went further in describing the being as being smooth-headed, no indication of hair, I know that feeling, and with eyes that were insect-like, only jet black and took up most of its face. When asked if the being tried to move towards them, both indicated that it stayed behind the row of trees and would only move to conceal itself from them. Both witnesses indicated that they were both in full view of the being and that the being must have been aware that they could see it as well. Both witnesses agreed that this went on for over a full minute before the entity stepped behind the row of trees and disappeared from view. Both witnesses said that once the being was gone, they felt an overwhelming urgency to leave. The feeling bordered on fear, and it was like someone had unleashed a pent-up wall of fear that had somehow been held back during the encounter. Both witnesses gathered up their things and quickly left, got in their car and drove away out of the Schiller Woods. When asked if they noticed anything out of the ordinary as they were leaving, such as lights in the sky or unusual mist, etc., the female witness said she did notice a lack of wildlife as they left. The female witness indicated that those particular woods are teeming with deer and raccoons and other wildlife, and at that time of the late afternoon, early evening, they were out in droves grazing and feeding. These deer are used to people and do not scatter unless directly approached, and yet on the way out she saw no wildlife at all, no deer or birds anywhere. When asked about the use of marijuana in their rituals, both indicated that they both did smoke marijuana prior to the ritual as a sort of ritual aid, but that the sighting they had was not induced by or influenced by the marijuana. Both claimed that they were sober and clear-headed during the encounter. Both witnesses appeared to be sincere, and both did not seem to be fabricating any part of their encounter. Both witnesses indicated that they will eventually go back to the woods for ritual and that they feel that their lives were not in any danger. An investigator with UFO Clearinghouse will be making a field visit to Schiller Woods in the upcoming days, and any photos and information from that field visit will be posted on this page. So there is a note at the bottom that says, Can this possibly be related to the winged humanoid sightings throughout the general area? The body seems somewhat similar to previous reports. So very interesting. So I will again put that up there. And if you've never been to uh, Phantoms and Monsters, definitely check that out. It's a really cool site, and I think you guys will like it. So anybody thirsty out there? Remember in the first episode we talked about milk? And you probably thought to yourself, man, it's not going to get any weirder than camel milk. Wrong. Wrong. So... Coming to us from thinkbig.com, cockroach milk, the superfood of the future, is now. Oh, bizarros. <laughs> What's four times more nutritious than cow's milk and could be key in feeding our ever-expanding population? Chances are your guess was not cockroach milk. But that's exactly the food that an, inter an international team of scientists, who apparently hate us, is banking on to become a new superfood. A team from the Institute of Stem Cell Biology and Regenerative Medicine in India, it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it had to be India, has sequenced a protein crystal from the gut of a Diplotera punctata. It's, what a wonderful day. Pacific beetle cockroach, the only known cockroach to give birth to live young. Ugh. 
To feed its offspring, the roach also produces a milk-like substance with protein crystals, which have three times the energy of buffalo milk. Because, man, I was just sitting there earlier. I had some Oreos made out of crickets and some goddamn buffalo. Who's drinking buffalo milk? All right, before you start imagining how you can milk a cockroach, the scientists have discussed, uh, dismissed such an option and are instead sequencing the genes responsible for the production of milk protein crystals. So does that mean it's synthetic cockroach milk? The crystals are like a complete food. They have proteins, fats, sugars. If you look into the protein sequences, they have all the essential amino acids, said one scientist from the team, Sanchari Banerjee, to the Times of India. Oh, I, I, the great rag Times of India. What's also fascinating, it's disgusting, the milk crystals release proteins, not all at once, but in accordance with the speed of digestion. The leader of the project, Subramanian Ramaswamy, confirmed that it's time-released food. If you need food that is uh, calorifically high, that is time-released, and food that is complete, this is it. I don't know if I've ever thought that much about food. This calorie-rich food will be especially helpful for those who struggle to get the necessary amount of calories per day. Of course, let's make milk from cockroaches and give it to the poor. Should have known. The roach milk can be a quick source of necessary nutrition, with Ramaswamy calling it a fantastic protein supplement. Oh, I don't know. Whether enough people around the world can get around the obvious gross-out factor that comes from any combination of cockroaches and food is largely dependent on how this kind of milk will be made. As the scientists completed the sequencing, they are moving on to producing the crystal in much larger quantities. In particular, they're looking to focus on how to create the food without resorting to milking cockroaches or otherwise pulling the crystals from their gross cockroach guts. So uh, he does have a full paper on this, uh, which is titled Structure of a Heterogeneous glycosylated lipid bound in vivo-grown protein crystal at anatomic resolution, atomic resolution from the viviparous cockroach diplotera punctata. What a wonderful day. Uh, again, a link to this article will be up and a link to that paper if you'd like to read more about cockroach milk. It'll be in the show notes. So uh, I, I got a couple more here. And uh, I, I, what's wrong with Florida? I, what's going on down there? Uh, you can always depend on them. So, again, this will be a short show this week, but uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about flamingos, should we? I, I mean, they're like the elephant in the room, except it's the flamingo in the room. So, uh, and it, it all ends up being part of Bush Gardens, too. So what is going on at Bush Gardens, Tampa, I assume, in Florida, and flamingos? So this is actually from IGN.com. Florida man drops down pants and sodomizes pink flamingo to death. I, I, just, I just find the articles, everyone. I just find the articles, but... It, 
If you have never looked in the show notes, if you go into this article, click on it, and look at the mugshot face of this dude. I, it's all I'll say. Tampa Bay, Florida. 23-year-old man has been arrested this morning at Tampa Bay's Bush Gardens after he allegedly, uh, allegedly proceeded to sexually assault a pink flamingo in front of horrified bystanders. Now, I, this is a true article. I, I looked it up, verified it in different sources, but whoever wrote this. So, shocked witnesses saw Eduardo Jose Rafael Sanchez, 23, drop his pants and jump into the flamingo pen before capturing Skittles, an eight-year-old male flamingo, and attempting to perform anal sex on the poor animal. Quote, My four-year-old pulled on my shirt, pointing to the man, saying, Mommy, Mommy, look at that man, he's riding the flamingo, reported an eyewitness. Kids started crying all over the place. There must have been at least 40 people watching the scene, one woman told reporters. The guy then screamed out that he had just had an orgasm and then just threw the bird to the side, put his pants back on like it was totally normal, like he'd done this every single day of his life, said another. Traumatized eyewitness Tatiana Salvador told reporters her four-year-old daughter thought the offender was riding the flamingo. Although the offender was rapidly apprehended by Bush Garden security agents, the damage to the animal had already been done as it died of internal bleeding hours later. The hemorrhaging was impossible to stop. I apologize in advance. This is how it's read. I'm going to read it just how it's read. The hemorrhaging was impossible to stop. The animal could not withstand such a large object tearing up its anal cavity, Bush Garden veterinarian Alan Thompson explained. Flamingos have extremely small genitals, and sodomy is not known to be part of their sexual habits, he told reporters, especially with large shaved apes, I assume. Skittles could not sustain such intense physical abuse, he added, visibly angered by the whole affair. Although sexual assaults by humans on pink flamingos are basically unheard of in the United States, A 2014 Worldwide Fund for Nature study found that the practice was still fairly common in certain regions of Mexico and other Latin American countries, where cultural belief still holds that sex with a pink flamingo may bring luck and prosperity. I'll stay poor. Thanks. And uh, last one for news today is, again, Florida man charged with senseless attack on Pinky the Flamingo that almost severed its foot and is killed by truck while crossing the street. A Florida man who was set to face trial for killing a dancing flamingo in 2016 was fatally struck by a pickup truck while crossing a road earlier this month. Joseph Correo, 48, of Orlando, died on June 5th shortly before 6 a.m. after being hit by a Ford F-150 on State Road 50, the Tampa Bay Times reported, and uh, cited also by the Florida Highway Patrol. The driver, who was not injured, has been charged and an investigation remains ongoing, according to the newspaper. Correo died after being taken to Florida Hospital East. He was set to face trial in August this year for allegedly, allegedly, killing the beloved animal known as Pinky. 
In August 2016, Correo was detained after witnesses inside Tampa Bay's Bush Gardens theme park said he reached into the flamingo's pen. Wait, will they get a bigger goddamn fence? How is it so easy that fat guys with giant heads can drop their pants and jump in and, and other white trash morons can just reach in and grab a bird? I, I, I don't, I digress. Uh, said he reached into the flamingo's pen and violently threw the bird to the ground. The attack nearly severed Pinky's foot, and the flamingo had to be euthanized, officials said. What a scumbag. The animal, an animal ambassador for Bush Gardens, was known in the media for its dance moves. The death caused a stir online, with activists petitioning justice for Pinky. Police said at the time Correo had been in the theme park with his mother and three children. He was held by security and later charged with aggravated cruelty to animals. According to the Tampa Bay Times, the suspect was held on $5,000 bond and was in jail for five days. Pinky was a beloved member of the Bush Gardens Tampa Bay family, and she will, will be sorely missed, said Joel Manby, CEO of SeaWorld Entertainment, which owns Bush Gardens, in a release at the time. Our ambassador team members are appalled by this incident, and I am sure they share my view that our state must have zero-tolerance policy for this kind of cruelty. Manby said SeaWorld would strongly urge prosecution in the case. Bush Gardens Public Information Officer Karen Vargasinka said Pinky's death marked a very sad say. Day? I would think it's day, but it says say. Pinky liked to dance, and when she was getting the attention she wanted, she would start dancing in circles. She was the sweetest thing, Vargasinka said. WFTS-TV reported that Correo's alleged attack was branded beyond senseless by Judge John Conrad during his first appearance in court. The judge added, it appears borders on depraved, in my opinion. I don't know if you have any other issues, but I don't know who does that. Inmate records showed the suspect had a criminal history, including previous animal cruelty and assault. Oh, Florida, 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 Florida. What are we going to do with you? Yeah, I don't know. The world is getting weirder and weirder, and we're all right here in the middle of it. So this has been a little short episode. I know everyone's lives have been really crazy with the new year and new things in school break and everyone being sick and not sick and too much news and none of it is very happy or anything like that. So just going to do a nice little short episode and uh, use that to finish up our season one, which uh, has been really a lot of fun. I never thought I'd actually get a podcast and still cutting my teeth, still trying to make something more and make it a little bit better and it's harder to get the more interesting guests when you just have one or two episodes out. So the important thing was to get episodes out and make them as fun as possible. And so I have uh, have quite a few now scheduled for the coming year, and uh, they should be pretty interesting and exciting. And I uh, hope you stay tuned. Again, if you like the show, the best way to help it is to uh, whichever wherever you get your podcast from, whether it be Apple or Podbeam or Stitcher. Or uh, wherever it is, if you have a Plex server, you can get it on uh, on uh, the Tune Radio on your uh, Plex. Uh, you can get it uh, through Alexa. But wherever you get it, join you know get some kind of free account at like Podbean or Apple or anything like that. 
and subscribe because the more subscribers, it really helps the show. Uh, also, leave a comment, especially if you're getting it in Apple. If you can leave a positive review, that is a huge, huge help for the show, and I'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, this wraps up Season 1, and I uh, hope everyone who's sick out there gets better quick, and everyone kids who's sick, that they get better quick, and that we all make it to spring. Right now, as I'm recording this, it's 68 outside, so, you know, this is Saturday the 10th. And it is gorgeous outside, so I'm not sure how much more of that we'll have. But I uh, hope everyone feels better and that this already crazy year ends up being wonderful for everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Bizarro Aficionado. And we got some really cool stuff coming up for uh, Season 2. And I'll see you then. Goodbye, everyone. Stay Bizarro. Smoking on gas, got me slunk, chasing Z's, chasing Z's. I've been high above my ass, magic beans, magic beans, flying solo, Mr. Dolo, what you need, what you need. Grab control and make your time. Do you read, do you read? Smoking on gas, got me slunk, chasing Z's, chasing Z's. I've been high above my ass, magic beans, magic beans, flying solo, Mr. Dolo, what you need, what you need. Grab control and make your time. Level up, now I'm building myself Every day, never taking breaks, killing myself Addicted to the gold, only focused on wealth Still slide to my nine to five Just to buy the time till I'm on the rise Passing off, I'm not asking off This ain't frat rap, tell the haters fuck off I'm shining, so blinding That's a vibe who got no diamonds Broke boy, got nothing in my wallet Spend on my green, on the green quite often Still flawless, stand tall and Say fuck it to me, face calling Time to ride the wave, override the shade in